Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Welcome and welcome to all those you arriving. Just come on in. We got plenty of seats over on the far side. Uh, that's the, the downside. You got to live on the far side uh, that when you come in. Uh, while they're coming in, I've got a couple uh, quick announcements. You know, here at Rocky Peak, we have a vision. It's to unleash a, a, a movement of what we call passionate Christ followers. We're very intentional about the way we go about that. There's certain, uh, certain key components of what we call our growth path. And if you look inside your program, I'd like to call your attention, kind of take out the inserts. But if you actually look at the program itself, we have a section there called The Path. And, and it kind of lays out our, our growth path, our strategic growth path to, to grow as Christ followers. And if you go to the middle of it, there's a couple things I want to call your attention to. The first one is life groups. And this really is what we call the core of our church. This is, uh, we gather every week in small groups, about 80 small groups uh, around these valleys that we serve to uh, just grow together, to make, to make friends, uh, to, uh, to share what God's doing in our life, to learn and grow. And uh, the reason I'm sharing is our winter session of life groups, a 10-week session, is coming up in a couple weeks. And you can actually go online this week and sign up. Or if you want to go out to the lobby and talk to some of the people that work with life groups, they can help you find the right group for you. Inside your program, there is a, a, a handout that tells you all the groups with open, uh, all, with all the groups with openings right now. And then as you move to the right on, your, on, the, on the growth path, you see the next item, which is our essentials. And these are some courses that we're creating that tackle topics that we believe are absolutely essential to walking well with Christ. And so we're starting our next essential in January. It's going to be on Tuesday nights. You can see the details there. It's called The Message, The Story of the Bible. And what we're going to do in 10 weeks is we're going to give a kind of a 10-week overview of the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, how it all flows together uh, so that you'll be able to read it, study on your own, make sense of it, and, and, and grow in your walk with Christ. And so uh, you can sign up for that online as well. And so those are a couple things coming up as we head to the end of the year. We're getting ready for a new year. We want to make you aware of, all right? But uh, today we're going to be going into our time of teaching. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak. If you're new, we want to welcome you. And inside uh, your program is also a message note sheet to help you follow along. So I encourage you to, to take that out. But uh, other than that, we're, we're going to jump right in. You all ready to go? Yeah. All right. Let's jump in and let's pray. Well, Father, we're excited. This is the week before Christmas. It's, it's the weekend that we get to, to focus in on this, this miracle the, the miracle of your incarnation, where, where you, you as God, uh, second member of the Trinity, you, you came into planet Earth to rescue us and to, to set us free to, to live a whole new life, and not just now, but for eternity, God, and we're just so thankful for that, and it's such a familiar story, like I said earlier, but, but it's something that has every year has new implications, new lessons, they just go on and on, and so today we talk about about the implications for our life of, of perfect timing and how you came at the perfect time in human history and what that means for us. We, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to us today about our life as we come to the end of this year. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts today uh, when I was just 19 years old. And uh, the first summer they said, oh, so it's a, a long time ago. And... Uh, so however you want to go with that. But I was 19, and, and uh, I was going to school back. I was in college, sophomore in college, back at uh, uh, school outside of, of Chicago, Wheaton College. And uh, so it was Christmas break, and we had about a month off. And so I'd, I'd come home to California for Christmas break. And, and Lynn and I had been dating for about a year and a half. And so uh, it was fun to see her get caught up. You know, long-distance relationships are hard. And, and so it was, just, it was great to, to get caught up and spend that, that month with her. 
Uh, but now it's the end of the break, and it's time for, for, for us to go back to school. And she was at Biola University up in La Mirada. And, of course, we were living down in North San Diego County. And so she needed to get back there. Uh, I was going to be leaving in a couple days to go back to, uh, to Chicago. And so she asked if I'd give her a ride back to, to her college. So I'd be happy to do that. So we have a couple hours to talk. And so we're, we're sitting in the car on, on, the, on the way. I'm driving up there on the 5. And uh, I, I keep feeling there's something that Lynn is supposed to tell me. I can't, I can't really put my finger, but just something is telling me. There's something she's supposed to tell me. And so I, I, I turn over to her and I say, hey, just curious, is there something that you feel like you, you need to be telling me? And uh, she kind of pauses and says, no, I, I don't really think so. Okay, all right. So, so we drive about 10 more minutes. Are, are you sure there's not something that perhaps, you know, like maybe something you need to tell me? No, I, I can't really think of anything. Okay, all right. About 10 minutes later. Well, I, I hate to just keep harping on this, but seriously, is, are you sure there's like not anything that, that you feel like that maybe you need to be telling me? It's something I, I need to know. And, and she looks over and she gets this little smile on her face. She says, well, the only thing I can think of is that you're so, supposed to be my husband. <laughs> I've always said that I never really proposed to Lynn she just kind of told me how it was going to be. <laughs> and that's how our relationship has been ever since. Just kind of, that's it But it was funny. I said, well, well, tell me about that. And so she, she goes to share this story about a month and a half before that she was middle of November. She's in her dorm room at, at Biola College. And she's just going through a really hard time in her life. A lot of major issues in her life. And so she's just kind of pouring her heart out to God. Have you ever been there? You're just kind of, you're, just, you're beat up. You're just kind of pouring, God, what about this? And what about this? And so all these other issues. And, and, and so it's really her main prayer time is about this other stuff in her life. But just as kind of a, a throw in, at one point she throws in, and, and what's up with Mike? And, and at that moment, God just speaks to her. And it's one of the first times this has ever happened in her life. It's only about the third or fourth time. And he speaks to her and says, he's to be your husband. And she is totally taken back. She's totally, totally surprised. Just didn't see this one coming. And, and so now we're on the I-5, right? We're near the magic kingdom. And, and, and we're driving along. And, and she's sharing this with me. And, of course, I'm taken back. And, and, and it's not like, I mean, we, we talked about marriage a little bit. I mean, we're dating a year and a half. It's a really long time. And usually if you date that long, you start. But anyways, we're thinking, like, you know, we're not even sure if God's called us together. We're not even sure if, that, if that's right. And, and of course, if, if, you know, if, if you do get married, I mean, you're thinking years in advance, right? It's like, I'm 19. She's 20. I, I'm a sophomore in, in, in college. She's a, a junior in a five-year program, a nursing program. And so, and so as, as she shared that with me, I, I think both of us just resonate with both of us. We just, you know, we, we just, since like this was the right thing. And, and so we're excited about that. But, but again, we're, we're assuming it's going to be long distance long time away. And so I dropped her for college. A couple days later, it's time for me to go back to, to, uh, to Wheaton. And uh, I was kind of poor, didn't have a lot of money. And so instead of buying a plane ticket back to Chicago, uh, I had checked the, the message board at my college before I went on Christmas break. And there was a guy living in LA who was driving out for Christmas and he was looking for someone to drive back with him, share expenses. I never met this guy, but uh, but I'd called them up, and we, we said, yeah, we'll, we'll go back together. So I drove up to L.A., I, I meet this guy, and now we're going to drive, drive across the, the length of the country uh, in January, right, uh, in, in one of those uh, old cars. We call them Nissans now. They used to be called 
Dotsons, right? See? Man, you, you all are old as I am. It's like some, well, some 19-year-old guy's like, Dotson, like, what's that? I thought that was a dog. Uh, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like that. And, man, those cars are flimsy. Do you remember those cars? I mean, it's like you kind of lean on them the wrong way. Oh, sorry, man, I just dented your car. And, Mary, so we're going to go across the country. We're going to go across the country in the dead of winter in this Datsun. And, and so, uh, of course, for college students, so we don't stop, right? We're not going to stop. We're just going to drive. And, and so we drive for like two days, you know, 40 hours or whatever it is. And, and now we're getting within five or six hours, and, and the weather is turning. Uh, I mean, it's just going south. I mean, there's snow. It's, uh, it is freezing. It's way worse than freezing. It was below zero. The weather's below zero. Uh, in fact, wind chill, as I remember, is like 20, 30 below zero. And, uh, and so we pull into this little town uh, of Bethlehem. No, it was this, uh, <laughs> this little town, and uh, it, was called, uh, it was called Lincoln, Illinois, uh, after the president. And, uh, and, and it's like 10,000 people, and it's like 6, 7 o'clock at night, and it's freezing out, and we're tired. because We say, hey, why don't we just get a hotel here, cheap hotel, We'll, we'll spend the night here. Weather probably be better tomorrow. We'll, we'll drive in five, six hours to Chicago. We'll arrive there on, on, on Sunday, perfect, because our quarter, new quarter starts Monday. We can go to classes on Monday, perfect. So, so we decided to do it. So, so we, we get out. We bundle up. We, we get our stuff inside the hotel. And about 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock, I remember I need something from, from the car. And so I ask him if I, if I can have, you know, get, get the keys for this flimsy little car. And, and so he, uh, he gives me his keys. Well, the key's really flimsy, too. It, it's, it's like it's made out of, like, aluminum or something like that. And so I go out to the car. I'm not really thinking. I'm not used to being in this cold of weather, you know, below zero, because I'm from California where, where the sane people live. And so, uh, so I stick the key in the lock, and I turn it, and the lock's frozen. It just snaps the key off. And I mean, it snaps it off like flush. Like you're not getting that key out. I got the head of the key. The car's got the rest of the key. It ain't my key. And so I go back in the room and say, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I just broke your key. Can I get another one because I need to get my stuff out? He's like, there ain't no other key. <laughs> so, well, where do we find a key? It's like, you know, Lincoln, Illinois. We start calling around. We're going to find someone who does emergency service, right? It's the United States. And so we, we're, we're calling around. It's like no one. Everyone says, you know, no, that's not, it doesn't how it works here. Like you have to wait till Monday morning. You don't have to wait till Monday morning for a locksmith to come. And so we are stuck in Lincoln, Illinois, in, in sub-zero weather without a car, uh, and we're going to be stuck there for an extra day, and it's like the worst possible timing, because we, we time this all out. We want to get back to class, so we can go to class some Monday, you get your syllabus, start of the quarter, you know. Now we're going to get back, we're going to miss all that. It's like the worst possible timing, but, but at the same time, I, I can't really explain it, but I just had this supernatural sense that, that this was not an accident, that, that we were supposed to be here, that something was going to happen here in Lincoln, Illinois, that had been planned for a really long time. <laughs> well, today is Christmas weekend, <laughs> and uh, I do want to welcome you, especially uh, those of you who are brand new, just come to, to enjoy this weekend with them. We're just glad you, you chose to, to spend it with us. Um, if you're a regular here, you know this. Uh, if you're new, you don't know this. We're in the midst of a, a series here. And it's a, it's a series from, uh, it's called Freedom, and, and it's a study of a letter from a man that's called the Apostle Paul, who's one of the key leaders in the early movement of Jesus. 
And, and, and he wrote a letter to a group of new Christ followers in the Roman province of Galatia. So we call this the letter to the Galatians. Galatia is in, um, like modern day, it would be like Turkey, okay? And, and so, um, so this is the week where, where typically, uh, right before Christmas, we, we kind of take a week off our normal series, and we, we get ready for Christmas. We have a special message for Christmas. And we're going to do that this year, but we're, but we're actually going to do it through Galatians, through, through we're looking at a verse. Because here's what Galatians is about, if you're new. Uh, Galatians is about freedom. It's, it's written to Christ followers to help them understand why Jesus came to planet Earth at Christmas. Why, why did Christ come? And, and the answer is that he came to give us our freedom. That, and in a sense, we're, we're like a state of spiritual slavery as a race because of our rebellion against God, and that Christ has come to set us free from the prison that we were born in. He's come to set us free, that we could be everything we were created to be. He set us free from the penalty of judgment, that's why we're in prison, but for rebelling against the king, that we could be truly forgiven, move on to the future, live the lives that God intended us to live, not only this life, but the next life. And right in the middle of this letter about freedom, there's this great passage about Christmas about why Jesus came, about why he was born. And, and I want you to turn there. On your note sheet, you have a section that's called the first Christmas. And uh, there in your note sheet, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, that's great. If you don't have your Bibles, maybe you're visiting or whatever, uh, there on your note sheet, I put this passage we're going to be looking at so you can follow along. It's Galatians 4.4, 4, and we're going to read through verse 7. This is a fascinating statement Paul makes, and He's kind of laying out here in Galatians 4 the whole message of Christmas, why Jesus came, how we were slaves, how he came to rescue us and turn us into sons and daughters. And so in verse 4, he says, but when the time had fully come, and we'll come back to that later, but what he's saying is at the perfect point in human history, uh, God sent his son, and so we call that Christmas, right? He sent his son, and he was, he was, sent, he was born of a woman. Now, now who was that woman? That was really weak. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought, I'm going to start easy. I'm going to start easy, right? Who is the woman? And it's like, Mary. <laughs> I have confidence in you. Come on. So he was born to this woman. Who was the woman? Mary. Thank you. Very good. Okay. And born under the law. So he was born into the Jewish race, under the Jewish law, just like prophesied in the Old Testament. The Messiah would come through the Jewish race. And here's why he was born. This is why he came to Bethlehem, to redeem or rescue those under the law so that we might receive the full rights of sons. And so as a race, we were in jail spiritually. In a race, we'd rebelled against the king. We'd been thrown in jail. We were spiritual slaves. Jesus came to rescue us and to set us free, to turn us into sons and daughters of the king. And he says, so God sent, verse, uh, verse 6, because you're sons, God sent the spirit of his son, talking about the Holy Spirit, into our hearts. So, so once we make the decision to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. God comes to live in us. He's born in our life, right? Like Christmas happens in our hearts. And, and he begins to lead us. And one of the things he does, he says, the Spirit who calls out Abba or Father. And remember we studied this the word Abba is the Aramaic word. Uh, Jesus would, would have spoken Aramaic. The Aramaic word for Father. And it's a very tender word. It's a word like our Papa. Okay, so you can even hear it. Sounds like Abba, Papa. And, and so it's a very tender word. And so when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, we give our life to Christ, uh, it creates this new relationship with God. And we're intuitively aware of this, that God is no longer just judge, he's no longer king, he's Papa. 
And we've come in this new relationship. And verse 7, so, so you are no longer a slave now, but you're a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. And so as the sons and daughters of the king, we are set to inherit all that he is, all that he owns. It begins, begins now, we inherit his Holy Spirit. It will continue in the next life. We inherit all that he has in the next life, okay? And, and so in this one short passage, Paul kind of summarizes the message of the New Testament, the message of Christmas. Why did Jesus come? Because we were in spiritual slavery. He came to rescue us. He came to set us free. He came to give us his spirit. He came to change our relationship, become sons and daughters of the king, enter into a new relationship with God, not just now, but forever for eternity. And so in a sense, you've got the message of Christmas here in a nutshell. But, but the, uh, the, the, the statement that Paul makes, it's really captured my attention for this Christmas. I think this is the message God has for us as a church. It comes in 4.4. 4. And I, I want to go back here. I want you to see what he says again. Chapter 4, verse 4. He says, um, but when the time had fully come. Okay? So what he's saying is at the, at the perfect time in human history. Um, that... that that the timing of Christmas was not random. The, the timing, as you look at the scope of human history, when God sent us, and the timing, it, it, literally in the Greek it says, at the fullness of times. So it's almost like a, a, like a cup. If time, like, you know, you know, pour time into a cup. You know, like time in a bottle. You know, Jim Croce. Okay, time, <laughs> yeah, time in a bottle. You're going to pour it up. And, and when, it gets, when the times get full, when it reaches the line, at the fullness of times, the father turns to the son and says, it's time. It's time. Now, it's interesting because I don't know if you've ever thought about this. My guess is most of us haven't. Probably, probably most of us are fairly familiar with the story of Christmas. We, we're, we're probably even familiar with a lot of the ancient prophecies about that, that one day uh, a rescuer, a deliverer would come, and he would come from uh, the nation of Israel, right? And, and that he would come not just from the nation of Israel, but the prophets predicted he would come from the tribe of Judah, right? Be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that, that he would not only come from the, the tribe of Judah, he would come from the line of King David, right? And he would not just come of that line, that he would be born at a specific place, and that place would be Bethlehem, right? But, but we've never really stopped to think about the timing of this event, that, that it wasn't just the person and the place, but it was a specific time in human, it was the perfect time to unleash God's movement to rescue the world. And this is what Paul is saying, is that at the fullness of times, at the perfect time in human history. In fact, there in your note sheet, the apostle Peter says something similar. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 20, Peter writes, he was chosen, talking about Jesus, he was chosen uh, when? When was he chosen? Yeah, before the creation of the world. So I want you to catch this, that Christmas was planned before the creation of the world. A specific time, a specific place. Christmas was chosen before the time began. But then Peter goes on and he says, but he was revealed you know, he came to earth in these last times for your sake. And so, so Christmas was planned before eternity, but it happened at the perfect time when it was, when it was ready to release God's, God's movement. Now, 
this is really interesting to me because here, here's what's kind of captured my heart in, in preparing for this message is that we can stand back and, and this is just kind of, you know, really made me think. Have you ever thought about this? It's like, like Christmas, why didn't it come 500 years earlier? Why didn't it come 1,500 years later? Like what was it about that time in, in the scope of human history? What was it about that time? And I don't know if you ever really thought about it. You know, like, like what was so special about that time? But that's Paul, what Paul is saying is that this was the perfect time in human history to unleash the movement of Jesus. It was carefully chosen. And yet, here's what's captured my heart. That, that if you were there, in fact, for those people who were there, who were the key players in this story, it seemed like anything but the perfect time. Okay? So, so stop and think with me. Mary, the angel shows up. Hey, good news. You're going to have a baby. Does it strike her as the perfect time? <laughs> uh, normally, people get married, you know, around here, uh, right? And, and how did Joseph respond? Did he, wow, perfect timing. Right? He's like, Mary, uh, I'm texting her, I got to go. You know, it's, I'm not feeling so good about this, right? Uh, that's how people break up today, right? It's like, you text her, that's crazy to me. Anyway. Um, okay, so, so now, so now that, that, you know, they, they finally get, okay, this is God's time. We don't get it, but okay, let's, let's go with this. And, and so now, now she's going along. And for the last nine months, she's been explaining to people uh, how this happened, right? I'm sure it's going over big, you know. Uh, yeah, this angel came and, you know. Um, and so it's been a tough nine months. And so one day she goes out to her mailbox and she looks in and there's a memo. And the memo is from the Roman emperor. And he says, I know you're in your third trimester, but I think this would be a great time for a census. So I'd like you to travel by foot, 70, 80 miles, whatever. We're going to go bound to the home of your forefathers, your ancestors. And so any of you women, does that sound like a great idea? Like your third trimester to go on a backpacking trip of 60, 70 miles. You women, can you help me out here? Does that sound like perfect timing? Anyone's like, oh, God, I can see what you're doing. This is awesome, <laughs> right? I'd be like, God, couldn't you hold him off just another couple months, right? And so now they're traveling down there, and I don't know what their conversation was. Maybe they're, maybe they're up to speed at this point. Maybe they figured it out. Hey, this baby has to be born in Bethlehem, and that's how God's getting Maybe they figured it out. But I think it's very likely that they're like this. This is such a bummer. We wanted, to be, we wanted to be with our family when we delivered. We had the birthing room already, and, and we've gone through Lamas, and, you know, we want, like, our family, we want our friends. We don't want to be born in Bethlehem. We, like, and we're probably praying every night, God, could you please make this baby not come out yet? You know, because we want to get back to Nazareth so we can, we can be there with family and friends, right? And so how does that work out for them? Yeah, they, they get there, and it's like the worst of times. The town is overflowing. There's no room in the inn. And so they have their baby in a barn uh, or maybe a cave, you know, but the animals are there. That's what they remember. You know, you see them in the pictures, you know. <laughs> it's like, who's that? We call him Sammy. You know, uh, he was the cow. It was awesome, you know. Um, I mean, does any of this strike you as perfect timing, right? I don't think it struck them as perfect timing. And then it gets worse. 
So now the baby's born. They've got through that. And so it's what, three months later, six months later? We don't really know exactly how long. But King Herod gets word that this new king has been born. Now, for those of you who were here at last Christmas, we talked about King Herod. I don't expect you to remember this. But King Herod, we know from secular sources, was certifiably paranoid. In fact, we know from secular history that he killed several members of his family uh, to protect his throne. So he gets the news that there's this new king in town, this baby, and he, of course, is going to kill the king. And so now Joseph and Mary, they have to leave wherever they are, and they have to flee for their lives, cross international borders, go to uh, Egypt, and live as refugees for the next couple of years. Now, does anyone, is any of, any of this ringing even vaguely familiar, like, like uh, perfect timing? Anything about this? Uh, I think if I'm marrying Joseph, I'm just like hanging on for the ride. Like I, I don't get this. I don't get this plan. But, you know, it's obviously God's in. Okay, we'll, we'll trust him. And, and yet, and, and so you got over here on the one hand, you have Mary and Joseph. Like this is the worst of timings. And you've got the apostle Paul saying, this was the perfect time in human history. Here's the interesting thing. As you study this, you find out that Paul was right, that it was the perfect time in human history to unleash a movement. And, and, and many scholars have noted this. Now, many scholars, if you, go, if you study commentaries, or many scholars will point this out when you go to Galatians 4, 4 and talk about the fullness of times. And we often don't think about this. We just think about Christmas. We think about the nativity scene. We think just shepherds, whatever. We don't think about the scope of human history. But many scholars have pointed out, this is a perfect time to launch a movement. That, like, let me give some examples. Like, like politically, uh, Rome was in charge, right? And so, so Rome could be brutal, but Rome had established in the ancient world uh, an empire that had brought the Pax Romana. Remember what that stands for? History class? No, you don't? You don't remember? So I can make up whatever I want, right? <laughs> okay, it means the Roman peace, the Pax Romana. They, they had brought peace to the ancient world. That was often through brutal means. But it was like the first time in world history that that large of area was safe to travel because of this peace. And, and on top of that, if you've ever studied Rome, you know they were technological wizards especially in the areas of building. And one of the skills that they mastered was they learned how to build incredible roads. And so, for example, you've heard that saying, all roads lead to Rome, right? And that comes from this era because it was true. They had built this incredible road and interstate system that connected the whole empire. So for the first time you could, in world history, you could travel fast and safely around the empire. And there was exchange of ideas and this exchange of cultures going on. Uh, in fact, some scholars have said that it wouldn't be this safe and easy to travel for 1,500 more years. Uh, linguistically, you may not think about this, but, but Alexander the Great, 300 years before Christmas, Alexander the Great had conquered the ancient world. And with him, he had brought Greek culture and Greek language. And even after Alexander the Great was defeated, the Greek culture prevailed throughout the, the ancient world, and the Greek language prevailed. And so for the first time in human history, they had what we call a lingua franca, 
a, a common language, much like English today, right? You can travel around the world today, and almost anywhere you go, there's someone who speaks English. It's a way of communicating. And so, and so it was a great time for the spreading of new ideas. And on top of that, spiritually, religiously, the world was ready for something new. The Roman Empire was getting tired of their, their ancient gods that they'd inherited from the Greeks that, that were, were sort of like inflated human beings with all the same failings. And philosophically, the, the, day, the, the golden age of philosophy had waned. The age of Plato and Aristotle and Socrates was now four or 500 years in the past. And, and, and culturally, people were losing their confidence in human wisdom to solve the deepest answers, questions of life. And, and on top of that, the Jewish race, because of persecution, had spread throughout the ancient Roman Empire. And wherever they would go, they would build a synagogue. And wherever they would go, they would take their message, not of many gods, but of the one true God who had, who had created heaven and earth. And they not only told the message, they brought the Bible. They brought their Greek translations of the Bible, the Septuagint, that had been translated about 200 years before. And in this Septuagint, of course, there were all the ancient prophecies of the coming Messiah who had one day came. And so though on the surface, you'd look like, What's going on? Why would God choose this period of time? Why would he choose this little couple? Why would he choose the backwaters of Galilee for him to grow up? Why would he choose this point in human history? And, and even though to Mary and Joseph, it may seem like the worst of times, the fact was it was the perfect time in human history. And so when the message of Jesus went forth and Jesus rose up, and he was rejected by his own nation. And the message of Jesus went out in the Roman Empire. Guess what? It spread like wildfire. Because it went forth under, on Roman roads. And it went forth under Roman protection. And it went forth to a world that was hungry for something new spiritually. And it went out in the common Greek language. And it spread out through these beachheads, these synagogues spread throughout the Roman Empire that had a Bible with a message of the coming prophecies that could be checked out. And so the message of Jesus came at the perfect time in human history. And though it seemed so ill-timed and ill-fated at the beginning, it would, it would rise to eventually take over the whole Roman Empire and eventually be spread throughout the world till the movement of Jesus has now become the largest movement in the history of planet Earth. And it is still spreading today. It is spreading at record pace, not so much here in our country, but in record pace around the world in places like Korea and South Africa and, and parts of Africa and, and uh, South America. And the movement of Jesus has become the largest movement in the history of the planet. And it all started because it was the perfect time and the perfect place in human history. Isn't that amazing? This is awesome. Isn't it, isn't it just awesome how smart God is? It's just like smart. Like, he's like, like picture of smart God. You don't put up his picture. He's just smart. And, and, so, and so here's what happens. It is so the perfect time in human history that here in our Western world, we still measure all of history by that day. And so all of history is now either B.C. or A.D. because it was the perfect time in human history. How helpful do you think that was to Joseph and Mary? <laughs> While she's pushing in the barn, 
right? As they're gathering up their, their precious little baby that they love. You know what it's like, your firstborn, right? Everything's got to be right for the firstborn. You know, secondborn, whatever. But, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. But you know that first boy, it's like everything's got to be right. And now, can you imagine that day, you know, uh, Joseph's waking up, Mary, we got to go. What do you mean? It's early. We gotta, no, we got to go. Like, well, go where? Like, we got to run. Well, I, I run for our lives. What, what? What? I just had a dream. An angel came. Remember, remember when, the, when the angel came, when, when he told you about having, the, having met Jesus? And when he came to me, well, well he came back again. He told me that King Herod's going to kill the child. We've got to run. We've got to run for our lives. Well, can, can we take? No, we can't take anything. We've got to go now. We, Mary, we've got to go. We've got to go now. We've got to go now. The soldiers are going to be on their way. We've got to escape. They're going to set roadblocks. You know how he works. We've got to go now. Is there anything about that moment that brings the concept of perfect timing? To your mind. Do you think, like the future and what God was doing, big picture in the history of planet Earth, do you think that was even in their thoughts? Right. And here's the message that's kind of captured my heart this Christmas season is that as Christ followers, Christ always has a plan for our lives. And it always involves perfect timing. But for those who are living it and closest to it, it often seems like, God, where are you? And it's not until far in the future you can look back over your life in the rearview mirror and you can see, oh, now I get it. Have you been there in your, your life? I, I was thinking of our life. Um, you know, we started the day with a story of, uh, of Lynn and I and, uh, you know, how we're dating and, and me going back to Chicago, the key breaking off and in that whole thing. And, and I told you that from the very beginning, I sensed that God was in this thing. And, and I just couldn't really explain it. I just, I just felt like, there's something, like, this is weird, but we're supposed to be here. Like, this is weird. I, I didn't even dare tell this guy that I just broken his key because he's really mad. But like, I just sensed, like, we're supposed to be there. And, and so, sure enough, the next morning, I get up and, and I'm spending some extra time with God, right? Because what else are you going to do? You're, you're in Lincoln, Illinois. It's freezing out. You don't have a car. You know, you might as well spend some time with God. So, uh, so, so I'm going to spend some extra time with God. Unhurried time. It's unhurried time because I've got no schedule done to do. And it was just a really rich time in the Word. You know, it's a really rich time of prayer. Just a great time being with God. And in the midst of that time, God spoke to me. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Holy Spirit, how He works in our life. And we talked about how, the different ways He speaks and, Gave all kinds of examples. I'm not going to go into all that. But, but you remember that one of the ways that, that the Holy Spirit speaks, at least he speaks to me, I, I know to, to many of you he's, he's done this, is that sometimes you're reading a passage of Scripture and all of a sudden it almost comes like highlighted on the page. It, it, there's a promise. There's a warning. There's a direction. It's something, uh, it's almost like he takes it out of context. I mean, he's just kind of, boom, this is for you, you know. And it was one of those times where I was reading. I was reading the Old Testament prophets. The passage is not important. But I was reading, and it just, it just came alive, and it spoke. And I, I sensed I was being spoken to. And, and there was two things that he was telling me. Uh, one thing, he was just confirming this direction of marrying Lynn. It, it was a confirmation of what she'd heard, what I sensed in the car. But it was, it was like one-on-one -on -one now. He wanted to confirm this to me. But the second thing was, 
he was telling me that the t- my time, my sense of timing was all off. And see, Lynn and I, like I said, we, we assumed it would be distant future, right? We assumed, like, I'm 19, she's 20, neither one have marketable skills. For us to be married, I'd be homeless within two weeks, right? <laughs> Begging, you know. Um, and, and so uh, we, we just assumed, and just the way Lynn and I were wired, we're both wired to be kind of fairly responsible people, and so we're going to get our education done, and get, you know, we'll get married, you know, that kind of thing, which we assume. And it just blew me away. It took me totally by surprise. But what I sensed he was calling, he was calling me to step out and come with him on a journey of faith. And, and that it wasn't about married, getting married in the distant future. He was calling us to get married now. And so I went back the next day. You know, we, we got the key made on Monday. We drove up to Chicago. I walked into the registrar's office and I withdrew from all my classes. Went back to my room, boxed up all my stuff, took it to a shipper, called my folks, said, I'm coming home. They said, what? (laughs) They're good parents. That's what good parents should say. I said, I'll explain when I get there. (laughs) It was weird enough as it was. And uh, so I came home and I, I didn't even tell Lynn why I was coming. I met with Lynn. I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but, uh, but here's what I think God's saying. And she said, well, I'm going to need to hear from him too. <laughs> I said, I would not have it any other way. And, and she began to pray and came back a couple weeks later. He's spoken to me. He's confirmed that. And, and so three months later, uh, we were married. And, uh, and I was 19, and she was 21, and like I said, dropping out of school, one of my biggest fears was, like, would we ever make it back to college, you know? Will we be kind of derailed? Like, like if, if we're not hearing right, this has big implications, you know? And uh, three weeks before we were married, uh, I didn't have a job. And, and it was a journey of faith. And can I tell you something? At the time, uh, we took a lot of flack for that, as you might imagine. Uh, pretty much everyone thought we were crazy. Uh, God doesn't speak to people today, um, especially if they're 19. Right? Um, and, and I totally get that. I totally get that. I mean, it's just like, and, and see, the problem everyone had was not with Lynn and I getting married. They thought we were a great, make a great couple. The, the problem was the timing. The timing was all off. And of course, that was our issue too, right? That was our, our step of faith. Like, like, why now? Like, what, like what do you do? It, it didn't make any sense, you know? It wasn't that we weren't in love. We were very much in love. It wasn't that we didn't want to get married. It wasn't that. It's just like, this doesn't seem wise. It doesn't seem like it doesn't make sense. And, you know, God was so faithful in, in our lives. And uh, those next few years were just, I can't tell you um, what shaping years those were in our lives. Um, th- those were years of kind of radical following Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Jesus, um, you've captured our hearts. We're passionate about you. We don't care what anyone thinks. We, we just want to know you. We want to love you. We want to please you. And we'll follow you anywhere, and we'll do anything. But we, we need you to provide if you're going to call. You know? and, and, so, and so those years, he provided supernaturally time and time again. 
And it was just so beautiful to watch him provide. And so Lynn never had to drop out of school. She just continued school, and she finished right on time. And, and, then, and then she was a nurse now, and so we went back to Chicago, and I went through school at light speed and uh, got my degree. We came back to Southern California, still not understanding the timing, like what was that about? But it was during those years that God shaped our hearts. A couple of young kids, you know, learning how to follow Christ in radical ways. And he shaped our hearts. And so we came back then to Southern California where we were from. And sure enough, there was, there was a job that opened up at a, at a Christian high school for me to teach Bible, which was just a great position for me at the time. And she got a job. And we were invited to this new little church. It had just been going for three years. It was, a, it was an evangelical free church. And just been going for three years. We're meeting in a cafeteria, 150 people, very small but they just got a brand new pastor. This is just a one pastor type thing. Just got a brand new pastor. Um, he just come the week before we were invited. And he was destined to become one of my best friends. And he wouldn't have been there two years before. And that church wouldn't have been there two years before. And so we became friends and began sharing our lives together. And he said it would be fun to work together someday. And, and so four years into that friendship, the church has now grown to 200 people. And so, so I came on staff. It's the second pastor on staff. And then over the next 20 years, you watch God work and unfold his plan. And that church of 200 became a church today of over 8,000. And, and, and it became one of the most influential churches in, in our nation. And over that time, God shaped our hearts and he taught us ministry and he taught us leadership, Right? And, and, and he, he gave us a safe place to raise our kids. And because we got married so young, we had time five years before kids to be able to cement that relationship and grow together. And, and because we got married young, we were still young, we had our kids. And, and so now we're 20 years into that journey at this other church. And out of the blue, God calls us to, to leave that place and to come and lead this place. And can I, can I tell you something? <laughs> Thank you. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? When that happened, all of a sudden, it all made sense. And you could look back over the last 25 years of our life, and you could see those early years of, of following Christ in a radical way and how he shaped our hearts. And, and you could watch him taking me to that school where I taught. And you could watch that relationship with that pastor. And you could watch the preparation of leadership. And you, you could watch what God did in that church, and you could watch how our kids grew in a safe environment there. And you could watch how they came of age, and so they were out of the house when Rocky Peak came calling, which was great timing because this was going to be so demanding, right? And I was either going to be a bad pastor or a bad father, right? And so it was so great that they were launched and in college or married. And, and so all of a sudden, I remember when this fell into place, I could suddenly look in the rearview mirror and watch God putting together a lifetime of preparation. Something that once made no sense and seemed like the worst of time, timing now suddenly seemed brilliant and like the best of times. Now, the reason I share that is because my guess is that my story is not so much different than yours. Like, like maybe the details are different. Maybe you don't have the I-5 Magic Kingdom God voice moment, you know? But... But my guess is, if you've been following Christ for any length of time, that, that you can look back over your life and look back at things that once didn't make any sense 
And then now in the rearview mirror, with the passing of time, they suddenly make a lot of sense, right? And, and so, so, so this, for, for me this year, this is the message of Christmas, the, the message that we follow a God that has a sense of perfect timing in our lives, and, and that your life as a Christ, your, your life is not an accident, and where you are right now is not an accident, that you, you're right where you need to be. And so I don't know what this year has been for you. For some of you, this has probably been just the most amazing, awesome year. I know some of you. Some of you have gotten the, the job of a lifetime. Uh, some of you have joined a new life group and, and built new friendships in Christ, and your whole spiritual life has come alive. Some of you have come to Jesus and given him your life this year, and he's radically transformed it. You've become a Christ follower, and nothing will ever be the same. Some of you, this has been a year of, of rapid spiritual growth, that there was, a, there was a point, there was a message, there was a time of prayer, there was something where you surrendered your life to God in a new way, and your spiritual trajectory has taken off. You have grown like a weed this year, and you are so excited about your relationship with Christ. Some of you have been blessed externally. It's not, it's not just the, the job, maybe, but for some of you, this was the year you got married, right? For some of you, this was the year you had your first child or your third child, or your fifth child, and God's expanding your, your family, right? So, so for some of us, that has been an awesome year, and as you come into Christmas this year, and I talk about God's perfect timing in history and his perfect timing in our lives, man, you are all over it. You're saying, like, I can see that. This has been one of those years I can see God's hand in my life and shaping and moving my life. But, but I know that for others of us here, it's been not like that at all that this has been a hard year, that this has been a year like Joseph and Mary's year, that this has been a year where you have been more confused more often than, than not, that you, this has been a year you lost that job and you haven't found another one, and you're still wondering where the money's going to come from. This has been a year for some of you where you've lost your house and you don't know if you'll ever get one back again because of the way the market is. Uh, this has been, for some of you, a year where you've lost your health and the prognosis for the future, unless God steps in miraculously, is not good. This has been a year for some of you where you've lost a relationship, someone that you thought would be part of your life for the rest of your life. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friendship that's gone south. And this is a year that's left a painful taste in your mouth. For some of you, you've lost a loved one through death that you never saw coming. Someone that, that left before their time. It was a son. It was a daughter. It was a, a husband. It was a wife. It was a mother. It was a father. But, but, but they, the end of their life came and you never saw it. And you're grieving over that. And this is your first Christmas without them. And so for some of you, this, this is not a year you can see God's perfect timing. It's a year of confusion. It's a year of darkness. It's a year you're hanging on by faith, by, by a thin thread of faith. You're holding on to this God and you're trusting that the God that you've seen in the light is still with you in the darkness. So you can't experience him. You're not feeling him and you're not sensing him. Well, can I tell you something? The message of Christmas is that God always has a plan. You're always under his leadership, and he will always bring you to the end of that plan in his perfect timing because he doesn't make mistakes. Amen? Amen.
This year, you know, one of the, the privileges of my life is getting to share so many of your stories. Um, you, you get to be on a fast learning, a learning curve when you're in, when you're in this. Because, you know, normally you, you have your own lives, your own friends. You, you learn off of them, right? But when you have the privilege of being in a role like this, you get to, to see so much. And, and there's a family here in our church that I've got to see them go through an incredible journey the last three years. It was a journey where they, they thought God was calling them a certain way to start a business, and, and then the, the real estate market fell out, the credit market fell out, and, and it sent them kind of reeling financially. And it sent them reeling at times spiritually and emotionally. It was hard, hard three years. And, and yet, at the end of that three years, God has just used it to shape them remarkably. And, and this has been recently the year where they've got to see the end of the story. It was a time where they, it seemed like the worst of times, and yet they've lived long enough now to see God's perfect timing. And I want to share just a little bit of their story with you now. <laughs> you know, he, he said there at the end, talked about God's timing for our lives. I, I wish we had time just to go into all their story. It's an amazing story. I know a lot of you have, have lived that. You, you've, you've been there. You've been in that pressure of how is this going to work, how we're going to pay the bills. Uh, I know part of their story at one point for, for Dennis, was he, he began to experience like heart attack symptoms one day, you know, and and it, it turned out it wasn't a heart attack. It was just the stress of, of it all and the pain they've gone through in those three years. But I don't know if you caught this, but he talked about coming to a place of surrender. Uh, he sent me an email just a few weeks ago talking about this whole journey and what he's learned. He talked about how God used this, these difficult times to shape him and come to a place of surrender and, and how God's gotten a hold of him like he's never been before. He's experiencing God's presence in his life like he never has before and how his life, his wife's life's changed and they're being transformed through this. And I, I think this is the, part of the reality. You know, it's part of, it's, it's Joseph and Mary. It's like there was a reason it had to be so hard. You know, you know they were gonna raise the son of God, you know? And they, they needed some input. They, they needed some transformation. They, they needed to experience God in certain ways if they're going to do that well. And it's so the same in our lives that, that often we can't see it like Dennis and Marlies can't see it at the front side what God's doing. But, but you live long enough you can look back and you can watch and see what, what he's doing. And that's the message for us this year uh, at, at Christmas. And so um, I, I just want to encourage you whether it's been a great year or it's been a hard year, just to know that the God of Christmas is with you. That the, the God who makes no mistakes, the God of perfect timing, he's working, he's active in, in your, your life. And, and, you know, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower yet, for whatever reason, you've never given your life to Christ, uh, what, what a perfect time uh, here at Christmas for you to give your life to Christ, to step over the line, to, to move from being that spiritual slave kind of far from God to having your sins forgiven and to become a son and daughter of the king, to receive his spirit in a whole new life, not just for now, but the next life. And so we're going to pray about that. Would you, would you join me in prayer as we just commit this Christmas week to him? Father, we're just so thankful for, for what you're doing in our church and the way you're working in all of our lives and the way that you have a plan. And sometimes we get to see that right off the bat. Other times, like Mary and Joseph, it's not all that clear, and yet, and yet in, in, in time we get to look back and see what you're doing and, and how you're unleashing your work in our life. 
And, and so, God, we, we thank you for that. And we, we pray at this Christmas season that you'd write that lesson on our heart, that at those times we're wondering what's happening, that we, we go back to Bethlehem and remember this perfect timing uh, that, that you showed historically in their lives um, as, a, as a kind of a lesson for us of how you work in ours. And, and while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I, I want to talk to those of you who've never given your life to Christ. And you, you may have heard of Christ before. You may have heard about the story of Christmas before, but, but you've never really understood or you've never really been at a place you're ready to follow him. You, you've never really understood this message that Christmas is about, about Christ coming to be born of a woman to rescue you from your, your past, rescue you from your dark side, to rescue you from the judgment that's over, over your head because of your rebellion against the Creator. And then he's come to set you free and to give you a new life. And, and if today that's making sense for the first time and, and you want to know this God and you want to move from being a slave to a son or a daughter, um, I want to give you a chance just to ask, ask for that to happen now, to ask God to happen. And so I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And if this expresses a desire of your heart, I just encourage you to pray along with me. Uh, just under your breath or in your mind, your heart, God will hear you and ask Christ to come into your life and to become your rescuer. And so would you pray with me now? Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I'm sorry for the rebellion and, and the ways that I've not followed you in the past. And I ask you to become my leader. I ask you to forgive me for that sin. I ask you to send the spirit of your son into my life to change me from a slave to a son or a daughter and to lead me in how to follow you and to save a spot in the next life for me. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you just made that request, if you're serious about that request, if you really mean it, the first step in following Christ in the New Testament is a step of baptism. It's a step by where we say goodbye to our old life, where we rise with Christ to a new life. And so if you're serious about following Christ, I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. That in a few minutes, we'll be taking our morning offering. And inside of your program is a little card called the Connect Card. If you could fill that out in the back side, if you just write on there, Mike, I prayed the prayer, or I asked Christ into my life, or I gave my life to Christ, anything like that. I'll know what you mean. And, and that we will contact you this week. I'll, I'll send you a letter this week with some new steps you can take in your new relationship with Christ to grow. We'll also call you, contact you, see if you would like to be baptized in the near future. We'll talk to you about what that means. We'll send you a CD to help you understand what that means. But it's just part of this new journey that you're taking with Christ. And so if you just write that down, we will, that will set all those things into motion. And so God, we come now as a church at this Christmas season, and we thank you that there was a time when love came down and when the earth stood still. And God, we want to be that people today that we stand still again. We stand still to receive you. We stand still to worship. We stand still to thank you for all you are and all you've done in our life. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, may the Lord be with you this week. Uh, I hope you can be with us on Christmas Eve. I know some of you are going out of town, but if you're here, we would love to have you join us. Four o'clock, six o'clock, uh, we've got a special service plan. We have a great Great time of celebration together as we celebrate the coming of the King. And until then, may the Lord be with you. May the Christ of Christmas rise in your hearts this week. May that star shine bright. May you follow his leading, the leadership of his spirit, Christ Abba, Father within you, that calls and leads because you are sons and daughters of the King now because of Christmas.
And may you experience him in his fullness this week as you celebrate the coming of the king. God bless you. I'll see you Friday night. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.